0: Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast. What's up, y'all? Just
1: want to start off by uh, wishing everyone a National uh, Tight ends day. Happy National Tight ends
0: day. <laughs> Love it. Enough said. It's the NFL sound off, not a week seven recap. Here we go. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: Two super fans. Where do the
2: reports come from? Did you get an initial? One pod vader. That's football.
0: Every angle of the NFL covered. All that kind of stuff, I get it. This, no question
4: about it, is next fan up. We want to unleash hell here in December. Hello and welcome to the
0: NFL Sound Off Not for Week Edition. Of the Next Man of podcast, I am Pod Vader here, as always, with Eagles Games. Hello, Eagles Games. Happy National Tight Ends Day after the day after the day.
4: Yeah, two days removed. It's a little late. Doesn't feel the same. It doesn't. <laughs> I guess it doesn't.
0: But uh, tight ends had themselves a day on National Tight Ends Day, except for the guy who invented National Tight Ends Day.
4: Um, uh, one might say he did, considering what he loves doing, which is throwing guys out of the club
0: and winning. I guess is the bottom line. Uh, so we will get to a bunch of tight ends uh, talking about national tight ends day. Uh, we got some great sound uh, from Baker Mayfield uh, who I think humbled himself a little bit this week. Uh, Sam Darnold, Todd Gurley, boy, do I got a hot take on Atlanta? Uh, and then uh, Bill Belichick and his minions. Um that we're going to we're going to we're going to delve into the Bill Belichick press conference and how he has taught all of his students the dark side of the press conference. So we will uh, we're going to do a big investigation into that. But uh, before we get into all that, let's go back to National Tight Ends Day and TJ Hawkinson, who perhaps had the biggest National Tight Ends Day. And in case you don't know what National Tight Ends Day, TJ Hawkinson was kind enough to explain to this one reporter who had no idea.
2: Quick question for you, TJ.
0: At what point, I guess I'm unaware of this National Tight Ends Day. Oh, what?
1: It's a national <laughs>
0: <laughs> When did you find out about
3: that? And isn't it kind of funny and ironic and just talk about being on the receiving end of such a huge touchdown play for this team right now?
1: Um, you know, this is the second annual year of National Tight Ends Day, last Sunday uh, every October. Um, you know george George came up with it a few years ago and um, you know it's kind of it's kind of caught on um, so it, it's just it's, it's a lot of fun just being out there and you know kind of just saying whatever you know uh, and, and, and you know we they talk about our position and you know we block we run routes we uh, you know we, we kind of do everything so it's uh it's super cool to just just have a day and um, you know obviously I appreciate George for that so
0: and George is, of course, George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers.
4: Yeah, you know, it's a cool, fun thing for the players to enjoy. I'm glad they came up with it. shows that there's some lifeblood as far as having fun in this game as opposed to just the weekly minutia of the game itself. But, uh, yeah, yeah. What happened to all the celebrations? Like they can celebrate again. Now they're all doing
0: the, just that one stupid dance. Like,
4: Well, the one stupid dance is probably best right now because a lot of the choreograph stuff is not going off too well because mm. people don't know that when, you know, someone scores, there's supposed to be a group celebration and they're too busy being happy that, hey, we scored or the game may be out of reach. And if you're scoring that first touchdown after being down 40 points, there's really no point in celebrating.
0: Well, and I also come from the school of Barry Sanders. Act like you've been there before. That's
4: hey, some of these guys haven't been there before.
0: <laughs> well, then I guess they can celebrate just like uh, this quarterback, this young rookie named Justin Herbert, uh, who finally got himself a victory. He's had a he's had a really good season statistically, just hasn't been able to get a checkmark in the win column until this past Sunday. Uh, and he was just happy to contribute
3: uh, Hunter hundred talked about it earlier in the week. Today's national tight ends day, two of your touchdowns went to tight ends. Uh, how did it feel to contribute to that effort? Really happy for him. Uh, those guys, they always step up big time and uh, they had a great week of practice. And I knew that they were going to step up big today. And
0: um, you know, it's, it's really great to see those guys excelling as well as they are. <laughs> there you go. So Justin Herbert, it's like, he knew it was national tight ends day. So he just had to spread the ball out to all of his tight
4: ends. Yeah, it was also you know a good thing that all of his tight ends were picking on the same linebacker for Jacksonville in that game. Mm. Jacksonville, how dare they! Uh, all right, so what about the uh, what about the founder of
0: National Tight Ends Day, George Kittle? Uh, it's it's funny because I, I seem to remember a certain person on the on the preview uh, show this week said uh, you know uh, that certain tight end wasn't going to have himself a day, and he didn't. Just didn't realize that everybody else on the 49ers was going to have themselves a day. <laughs> um,
1: that's a
2: <laughs> Here comes George Kittle. Um, well, National Tight End Day. The, the Niners are two and zero on National Tight End Day last year against Carolina, where I think we had thirty plus rushes and ran the ball everywhere. Um, that's when Tevin Coleman had, I'm pretty sure, three or four touchdowns, and now Jeff Wilson had three touchdowns. And so, um, you know, National Tight End Day is good for the Niners because I think our whole t- our whole team embodies it. Um, you know, have fun, play fast, be physical. There you go.
0: So that that explains it. So even though. It's a holiday to celebrate his position. He says his whole team basically morphs into a tight end on National Tight Ends Day.
4: Yeah, uh, I wish you we recorded his, uh, pregame sound when he was with the entire team. It's not about Jimmy. It's not about tight ends because we're all tight ends today.
0: Hmm. Well, that would, that would explain it. That would explain it. We have more George Kittle coming up a little bit later on, but uh, I, I want to sort of blend the games together. And uh, like I said, we're going to. Uh, we're going to deconstruct the the brilliance of a Bill Belichick press conference. So when we when we get there, we'll we'll, we'll play a little bit more George Kittle. All right, uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, it, he apparently doesn't know about National Tight Ends Day because he doesn't know anything about the national voice. He's uh, just listen; you'll you'll know what I'm saying. How about you bouncing
3: back after that rough one in Pittsburgh and getting all that criticism that? Received during the week. What criticism are you talking about? The National Guys. Oh, sorry, I don't know who they are. There you
0: go. Baker Mayfield. You can say whatever you want about Baker Mayfield. He doesn't know anything about you.
4: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got like a two-word descriptor for him. The first word is smug. The second word starts with a B.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Ah. I will, I will tell you. I, I will tell you in this particular press conference that I listened to. He was a little bit more humble. He, he wasn't talking a lot. He wasn't cracking a lot of jokes. It was really straightforward. Guys kept walking in and out of the room. Uh, you could still hear a lot of noise in the background. The, the Browns press conference room is probably one of the m- most noisy ones that I've heard out of everybody's. It's kind of ridiculous over there. They, they were having a party for sure.
4: Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much of a party they should be having considering they just lost Beckham for the year. And if he had any idea of that on Sunday during this presser, Probably could, you know, lend a little bit to his more subdued, as I use air quotes, mannerisms during that mm-hmm. uh, interview. But I don't buy it. At some point later on in the season, they find themselves on a streak. He'll be mouthy again. R- remember, the only team they've beaten in their division is are the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're done with them. They still have rematches against the Ravens and the Steelers, who, again, combined 76-13 score. Mm. One guy who has no
0: idea what a party is about, or maybe he does. That's why he had mono last year is New York Jets quarterback, Sam mm-hmm. Darnold. <laughs> uh, and and Sam Darnold has a very Jedi-esque point of view. It, it, it's, it's only frustrating when you look at it from a certain point of view.
3: Listen. Sam, is is it demoralizing at all that, you know, you guys finally got your weapons back. You had uh, no Crowder, but you had Perryman in there. You had Mims in there. You switch up the offensive play calling, yet the offense still seems to struggle and things are still wrong and the protection breaks down despite Makai being back and just the four yards. I mean, when you guys try to fix all these things and none of the fixes work, I mean, how tough is that for you guys to swallow as an offense?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at it that way, it's tough, but for us, I mean, We looked at the first half. I feel like, you know, we got in a really good rhythm. We can definitely build off of that. Um, Again, we just got to look at the second half and learn from it. Um, I know it's not necessarily what people want to hear, but you know, that's just how it is. You know, we we just got to continue to get better week after week and look ourselves, you know, look at ourselves in in the mirror and, you know, figure out what, what we're doing wrong and, you know, how we can get better.
0: So it's only demoralizing and frustrating if you look at it from the facts.
4: Well, at least he's taking umbrage with the man in the mirror and probably asking him to change his ways.
0: Well, what he really should be doing is going, oh, my shoulder really hurts, coach. I don't think I I don't think I can go for the rest of the season. That's what he really should be doing. Protect yourself, young Sam. Like, get yourself out of that situation somehow.
4: I don't think there is a way out of the situation for him. I mean, he's going to be their starting quarterback until the end of his rookie contract. Uh, Whether his head coach sticks around or not is anyone's guess because general consensus is this guy should already be fired. Um, The head coach still believes in him, recognizes that he's only 23 and that there are going to be days like this, but days like this have been lasting all season long. They're 0-7 now, 0-6. Whatever I can't remember if they have it to buy it. Basically, they haven't won a game so far. They're this bad. <laughs> they're
0: they're number nope. thirty two. They're worse than number thirty two in the power rankings, and they're getting yeah. worse. The, the, yes. to me, it's Sam Darnold has to not play. Like he has to protect his value. At one point, he was considered one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. He's had three years, and he hasn't shown it. And I don't know well, and, and people keep giving him excuses. It's like, well, he's had three different head coaches and now he's got Adam Gase who's a quarterback killer. To me, yeah. it you know, maybe there's some maybe there's something to salvage there or maybe he's just Josh Rosen.
4: Well, he probably is a step above Josh Rosen, but let's also remember there's nothing there in that offense for him to play with. There are no receivers. There, There's no offensive line. Uh, they finally freed Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Frank Gore, while drawing Social Security, still has some talent, but they probably need to let him go too. They, they've jettisoned almost every star player on the defense via trade uh, over the past two to three weeks. The trade deadline is looming in, over the next couple of days. And I, I don't know how much more they can give up to strip this team down. Their best wide receiver from last year is now thriving in Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater. And
0: can, can I collect Social Security? Because I think Frank Gore is like 10 years younger than I am. <laughs> I, I could use some of that
4: money right now. You, you probably could.
0: Uh, a guy whose knees are collecting Social Security, Todd Gurley uh you know had a situation this week where uh he he scored a touchdown and he wasn't supposed to score a touchdown and um well he he's he's a man he's gonna take the blame
3: no it wasn't but you know it's like you know you can put the blame on that you can put the blame on this it's just like it's like I'm not that type of person you know, I, I man i take the responsibility. Um, tried to go down, but I didn't, you know, trying is not good enough. So, uh, just got to do better on my, on my behalf.
0: No, on your behalf, Todd Gurley, you score that touchdown. You put more points than the other team has on the scoreboard every single time. It's not like you left an hour on the clock for the Detroit Lions. You left a minute and change. Like, come on, you have a defense. Stop the other team from scoring. I'm so done with this. Oh, Todd Gurley screwed up. He wasn't supposed to score. I I hope the next time somebody does that, that they take the knee right in front of the end zone. They could have scored easily, but no, they took the knee to run down the clock. I hope the kicker misses it, and I hope the kicker shanks it so bad it, like, ends up hitting his head coach in the nose.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, you pretty much present a double-edged sword there Um, because, honestly, those situations only work out when you're ahead. Uh, I can remember a couple of years ago, Philly was playing Dallas on a Monday night. LeSean McCoy busts one up the middle, runs 40 yards, gets to the five-yard line, and remembers to get down so they can kill the clock, because the Eagles are already ahead at this point by, like, three or four points. Unfortunately, these scenarios are working against you. Sometimes it's best just, like, you're inside the ten if you rely on your kicker to, to, you know, score these points, which I always hate. Typically you see teams with the quarterback just running side to side to kill the clock by just getting to the proper hash mark. And yeah, I understand it was first and goal. There was a minute and change left. You turn around, you handed the girly, but you got to understand, he's got to change mindsets there because first he has to make sure he's holding onto the ball, gets to the line of scrimmage. And then he has to remember, Oh crap, I've got to get down line of scrimmage was the eight. He was pretty much full speed at the five and defenders realizing like, okay, I'm going to whiff on this tackle, but wait, momentum is carrying him. Let's give him an extra boost. You can see the last person who tackled, who tried to tackle him, pushes him towards the end zone. (laughs) So his momentum, additional momentum in the back. And then he remembers, Oh crap, I've got to get down, but I'm already standing on the goal line. First
0: of all, if you're that close, why not just take a knee? D- don't even hand Ooh, the ball no. off. You know, don't hey, even hand the ball
4: off. All over again. The,
0: the next thing is, why aren't you doing the Madden thing? Run backwards.
4: Right? The clock still well, runs, I mean, even if you're running backwards. So You can only run backwards so far, and they were still down at that point. Well, You kind of want the field goal to be as close as possible for your kickers. Remember, kicking is not an exact science these days.
0: Well, and that goes to my next point. Just score so that you can win the game. Play to win. Hello, you play to win the game. I wish I had that bite ready. ready. I mean, seriously. Like, who cares how much time you left? You have a defense. Stop the other team. The fact I mean, that you do allowed they him. Well, I mean, apparently not because they let Stafford get down the field in three plays three plays it only it only took him three plays to go 80 yards that's that's beyond reproach like fire your interim head coach right now like that, <laughs> that that is a fireable offense
4: so what we're saying is the head coach who was a defensive specialist couldn't get the defense up the interim head coach who was a defensive specialist only got one win and then the defense chokes when it matters most uh, who do we promote next the OC because the offense didn't show up this week either.
0: I just this taking the blame. It's admirable that Todd Gurley's going to take the blame, but he doesn't need to take all the blame. It's not all of his fault. By the oh, getting absolutely not talking, talking about the, the Falcons and, and these experiences that they've had. Have you ever experienced anything like this in your career where, you know, you guys seem to look like you're heading towards a win and there's just something about it that you find a way to, to, to lose in the final seconds or minutes of the, the game.
3: Yeah, I just experienced it uh, three out of the first six games of the year. Seven, I don't, yeah. You know, you have like one or two of those games, but not multiple. So it's football, though,
0: you know? No, I don't know. Because <laughs> you just said it. You have one or two of those in a career, not three of them in the first half of your season.
4: Hey, living on the edge where you play up and down to your competition all the time, always ended up in on one score games. Sooner or later, is going to bite you in the butt. Now, there are a lot of teams took L's this week who lived on that edge and, you know, they finally got cut. Coming up, we're going to break down the essence of a Bill Belichick
0: press conference. I, this is going to be fun.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd, were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: He only says five words.
0: What's the breakdown? Well, and that's sort of my point. Like it, it, the, this was brilliant. So I edited this. The, first of all, his press conference was only five minutes long Uh this past week after they lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but Belichick so I cut this down. It's about two and a half minutes, but you, you have to listen to the way that the, the pacing of this, of, of this press conference goes. All right. So uh, I'll probably stop it a couple of times. Here we go.
1: You know, didn't, didn't do enough, of anything tonight, really to be competitive. Um, we we're clearly out out outplayed just out everything. So we need to just keep working here and, Find a way to just do everything better. Um, just not not performing at a at a good level at all right now in any area. So um, just across the board, we've got to get back to work and keep working and find a way to to play better than we played tonight and coach better than we coached tonight. So really, there's not much else to say about it. Hi, Bill. Last week uh, you. You mentioned that your team didn't practice and it it looked like it on the field.
0: How would you assess how well your team played and its improvement from last week's performance and getting back on the practice field and how you look today?
1: Yeah, I just did that. I think I just assessed that.
0: Uh, Bill, do you plan
3: on having Ken Newton as your quarterback going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Are you disappointed with the way the offense played today, given that you did have a full week of practice this week?
1: Yeah, I just said that in the opening statement, (laughs) Then,
0: So, (laughs) listen, if you don't listen to what Bill Belichick says at the beginning of his press conference, uh, then you're going to, then there's no point. Like, you can't ask him any other questions because he says he's already answered your question. Two reporters tried to get it, tried to get that past him.
4: Yeah, and, and I think it was more so that they just had it in their mind, I got to ask this question, and you're not paying attention to what he's saying. And, and look, give Belichick all the kudos, props you want. Guy is extremely intelligent. He anticipates answers from the media before they can even ask. It. And sometimes it throws them off, and they get brain farts. So, yeah, even listening to the question, sometimes it's like he, he just said that five minutes ago, if you were paying attention.
0: And he won't take it. he won't take it from you. If you ask him the question, he's going to tell you I already answered that question. Next, uh, so coach, uh, how how do you feel your team felt? I already answered that question. Next, <laughs> but but he really didn't answer the question. All he said was they were out coached, out played, out everything. That's literally all he said. I, I also want to stop it right here, real quick, because there was that one question that got slipped in there about is Cam Newton a quarterback on your team moving forward? The answer was yes. Now, a lot of people are taking this as meaning Cam Newton is the starting quarterback moving forward. That is not what Bill Belichick said. Bill Belichick answered the question, is Cam Newton a quarterback on your team? And the answer is yes. I'll I'll even replay it if you'd like. Uh, Bill, do you plan on having Cam
3: Newton as your quarterback going forward?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you plan on keeping Cam Newton
4: as your quarterback moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that just means he's going to be a quarterback on the New England Patriots. Correct. Doesn't it does it not like necessarily he's mean he's the starter.
0: starter. No, doesn't necessarily mean he's the starter. So everyone that made that big assumption, do not be surprised when Jared Stidham is starting. Although I don't think he's going to. I do think Cam Newton's getting one more shot. But I will say Cam Newton is definitely regressing. Ever since COVID hit, I mean, and really the biggest problem with this fan base is they're like, oh, we had moral victories. If, if Cam Newton had run to the right instead of the left against the Seahawks, we would have won the game. Oh, we kept the defending chiefs to like 24 points or whatever. Like, no, there are no moral victories. You lost. And now you're losing badly and Cam's not looking good at it.
4: Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, should they ever bench cam before the season's over with and start them yeah, that'll be the week I lock up their opponent. Oh, wow. Uh, Sorry, Pod. <laughs> I don't know. Look, you, 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 you know this team better than most on this podcast, and like you mentioned, outside of Edelman, there's no one to throw to.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're looking pretty the, bad.
4: The, the tight ends are pretty much kept in to block. I understand you're running things Cam is familiar with, but there is virtually no vertical passing in this offense whatsoever. And the short dink and dunk that your OC is calling doesn't fit Cam Newton's playing style. I, I understand the read option, the design quarterback runs. I get those too. But there needs to be more passes in the intermediate and downfield vertical game instead of everything being five to seven-yard crossers. That's not the strength of Cam Newton's um, offense.
0: Well, and you it's just said that. how he, <laughs> you just you, you just know, said, you just you just nailed the key. This team is known for doing what is best to the strengths of the players,
4: and they're not doing that right now. Not at all, because the Cam Newton. That's all Carolina. Those routes were at least eight yards downfield. Everything was intermediate, eight to twelve yard routes, eight to twelve yard routes. The only short routes were the quick slants. Running these quick ins and outs within five yards of the line of scrimmage where the linebackers sit, that that's pretty much dump off territory for his running back. Well,
0: maybe Which, that's why Jared oh, Stidham way, is a better quarterback for this offense.
4: But Same. the offense completely changes when Stidham and Hoyer are in there because they don't even run the ball that much with them to a quarterback. All of a sudden, the, the offense opens up. like look at the game there's, there's a city. lot of
0: there listen there's a lot of problems and i kind of want to save some of this for thursday <laughs> i understand i understand but, I, I don't want there, to there's right a lot of problems and we still have and we still have half of bill belichick's press conference to go here and, and, oh, and we're gonna we're coming back in with a reporter who actually asks a great question and stumps the great bill belichick all right here we go away no bill how surprised were you by your team's play after having the week of preparation that you guys seem to get back to normal Certainly that happens in professional sports. But how surprised were you about what happened on the football field today with your team, the way it, the way it played? Listen that long pause. He's thinking. He's thinking. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's, it. That's the best he could come up with. I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the long pause was the dumbest question I've heard today.
0: No, it was a good question. It was one, that the, it's <laughs> the one sure? that the coach, Yeah, it's the one the coach couldn't answer. I,
4: I was impressed. What was his facial expression?
0: Couldn't see. He was talking under a mask. <laughs> uh, all right. I believe this next question he's going to come back with. I already answered it. And, and what, what kind of struggles did you see from Cam and, and, and the offense in particular today, Bill? Was it decision-making? What kind of things did you see?
1: yeah i think i already covered that dan i think we need to do better job in all areas
2: bill how do you feel about the team's effort level today i
1: thought we competed hard we just didn't just didn't do things well enough uh bill defensively
4: how much would you ascribe the trouble you had today to just fundamental breakdown versus anything else
1: Yeah, as I've already said several times, that was a part of it for sure.
3: Anybody else want to ask a question? Please raise your hand
1: now. Okay, I believe this pause
0: of if anybody else wants to ask a question is eight seconds, almost 10 seconds long. All right, thank you. (laughs) That's it. Nobody was going to ask another question because he was going to come back with I already answered it. Mike Reese actually – Mike Reese actually snuck in a question that he answered differently because Mike Reese asked him about the effort, How did he feel about the effort of the team? And he said he thought they competed hard. They just didn't, didn't play well enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so in essence, a bill Belichick press conference, he will have an opening statement. Today's opening statement took about 40 ish seconds. I don't remember how much I edited out of the opening statement. Uh, So it takes his opening statements, you know, usually right around the minute mark, and then he's going to take questions. Now, if you ask any question that is related in any way to something he said in that first minute, he's going to give you the answer of, I already answered that question. So you have to come up with something extremely exciting. Now, one of the things, I can tell you from previous press conferences, one of the things that Belichick loves is if you ask about specific Football um, plays. But you can't do that in the post-game press conference because he's going to say, I, I haven't watched the film yet. I have to watch the film. So later on in the week, you're going to have to ask him about very specific football plays. He he tends to like those types of questions. However, if you come at him and you don't know the answer already, he will give you, he will dress you down, he will make you feel stupid. Like, you're just not going to get away. Like, you have to be one of the smartest people on the face of the planet or Mike Reese to ask a question to Bill Belichick and get an answer from him. (laughs) It's pretty much all there is to that.
4: Yeah, and even if you do ask something specific about a particular play, depending on the outcome of the previous week's game, he's going to be on to the next game, and that won't matter.
0: Which is why you're going to have to ask him questions, specific plays about the opposing team. This is how, if you want to get a, Question answered by Bill Belichick. Specific plays about the upcoming team after the game. Because, of course, after this post game press conference, we're on to Cincinnati. Uh, in this particular case, we're on to Buffalo, which I'm not looking forward to. Let's go back mm. to uh, George Kittle. Because George Kittle uh, had a couple of things <laughs> in his press conference specifically about this game. Um, oh, no. I don't know, disturbing,
2: perhaps? I
0: don't know. Let, let's hear it. George Kittle.
2: You mentioned Jeff Wilson Jr. Well, I don't want to answer it? any more of your questions, man. You got 45 minutes on Monday and you're asking me more questions. Jeez Louise. Podcast, standing your clubs, by the way. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I might give you a putter. Probably not, but maybe.
3: Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., well, what is it that you see from him behind
2: the scenes that uh, that gives you guys confidence in uh, and what he can do, and his performance today. Jeff Wilson goes to a dark place before every single game. It's different than it is in practice. You can tell he's angry. Um, he attacks it. He wants contact. He deals contact. He delivers pain. It, it's it's awesome. Um, you can just see it in his eyes. He's a totally different person. He the way he runs and things. It's it's crazy. So I, I love being on the field, with Jeff Wilson. The way he carries the football. The way he makes people like look at him after he's attacked they're finally like why did it take four people to tackle that guy and why did our two guys on the ground from trying to tackle him because he's an absolute monster and he is one of my favorite mindsets he's a completely different person on game day and it's just this dark place that he goes to and i love everything about that goes to a dark place james mm. <laughs> and you know the and
0: like every other mo-
4: 49er he goes to the ir <laughs> unfortunately and the moment George mentioned that he goes to a dark place, I don't know if you remember the uh, defensive lineman way back late 90s, early 2000s for the Jacksonville Jaguars. who used to have the equipment manager smack him in the face just to get him fired up for the game. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. That's basically what this reminded me of when just listening to George talk about Wilson. Well,
0: well it's funny because George is going to bring up another guy who goes to a dark place
2: and how he got to that dark place. Hey, George. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm fantabulous. Awesome. You said Jeff Wilson goes to a dark place. There's a lot of that mentality in your locker room. There's the guys who are all very nice first of all, when we're interviewing you, but there's a different mentality that goes on the field. Is that kind of one of the parts of your identity? Well, yeah. I mean, football's a violent sport, and if you don't kind of go to that dark place to be violent um, and be physical, uh, you're, you're not going to last very long, and uh, Coach Shanahan always talks about, you know, find the dark place. I mean, I'll never forget like the first person I saw like go into a dark place, Pierre Garcon, like his mindset when he goes into the game, it, it was incredible. I mean, you saw he'd head, like, he'd, punches him, he'd punch himself in the head like this after first downs and stuff, and that was like the first look I really got at it, but then the more longer I've been here and the more Kyle talks about it, the more you see there's everybody kind of goes to that dark place. And like I said, it's a violent game. And it's just, it's fun to be a part of a team with a bunch of psychopaths because I fit in really well here.
0: So are they like, you know, worshiping the devil? Are they sacrificing goats? Like, is that what he's talking about? The entire team's going to a dark place, Kyle Shanahan, sort of leading this cult of psychopaths?
4: Oh, man. Let let, let me know when Pedro Serrano starts playing football. Um. (laughs) Pierre Gasson reference, notwithstanding, look, it's a contact sport and there's a certain mentality you have to have just to play the sport to begin with because you're voluntarily throwing your body into some of the most violent collisions you will ever have in your life for at least two and a half, three hours every week, not to mention whatever happens in practice. So yeah, uh, Dark Place is probably the... Nice is a way to put it. Um, there are some extremes and there are some subtleties, but what, whatever gets you geared up, ready to play and go through 60 minutes of hell, basically, as far as abusing your body, get the job done.
0: But the the best part about that soundbite was how it ends with him talking about, I'm glad I'm on a team of psychopaths because I fit in. And it starts with him, re, re, you know, responding back to the woman reporter. I'm
4: fantabulous. <laughs> well, you really are a psychopath. Hey, you got to be able to turn it on and turn it off at a moment's notice.
1: <laughs> and
0: hopefully you keep it off when you're not on the field. That seems to be the issue of most
4: football players have trouble with. Hey, look, um, look, as long as they're not inviting you over for a nice Chianti and a lava beans, then you're fine. <laughs> Mike Rabel
0: is the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. I seem to remember a certain super fan last week, not you, uh, accusing Mike Rabel of learning certain things from a certain former head coach of his. Bel yeah. <laughs> well, he also apparently learned how to handle the the press during press conferences in Please. the same way that Bill Belichick does. Here's Mike Vrabel.
2: Mike, what happened, I guess, on the, the punt that uh, was, was a low snap?
3: Brett picked it up and threw it downfield. What, what happened in there in your eyes? Looked like a low snap, and the punter threw the ball down the field in my eyes. I think that's everything. Thank you. <laughs> Oh man!
0: <laughs> in your eyes, what did that play look like? This is what it looked like oh. to me. What it
4: looked like to you it looked like the exact same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! You oh, know, yeah. I, 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 in watching that Pittsburgh game, and not going to go too much into it, because I'm pretty sure we're going to reflect on it a lot on Thursday show. But I and was this is not a week moment. seven recap. Let's remind no, people. no, no. But but I was waiting for that moment when Rabel was going to do something very Belichickian, as far as I don't know uh, how do I say this, creatively, uh, creatively you follow the rules at a certain point in the game. Unfortunately, that, that opportunity never presented itself because they played catch up for the majority of the game, especially in the second half, being down twenty seven seven. So, the opportunities where he could have, you know extrapolated the rules into his own interpretation to give his team an advantage. (laughs) I don't want to flat out say cheating, but he he never had the opportunity to do so. Look, he's, he's learned from his teacher from when he was both a player and a coach. And it's, it's showing.
0: And that's why the Tennessee Titans are as good as they are. Uh, I will also add that uh, to give Mike Vrabel a little bit of a That was the last question of the press conference. And he's also very verbose at his press conferences. He's not, uh, <laughs> he's not Belichickian in his responses. But at some points, he will give you a very sarcastic answer <laughs> that was
4: probably deserved. Um, the, the reporter did just kind of softball that up there. Here's what I saw. What did you do? I mean, the same thing you saw. How, how is it any different? We saw the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: this guy uh, is a cornerback who used to play for Bill Belichick. <laughs> it's having a very good year this year. Uh, by the oh, name okay. of Tom Brady. Yes, Tom Never Brady. heard of him. Now, he tends to be verbose during his press conferences, but he has a way of saying stuff without saying anything. And as a matter of fact, it's not even that he's saying stuff. He's not saying anything when he's saying a whole bunch of stuff. And Tom Brady at one point apparently mentioned something about having future political aspirations. And I think the answer to this question really showcases that he could have a, a future career as a politician. Watch how he never actually answers the question poised to him.
1: Tom, you've played with Antonio Brown. How much uh, influence did you have in him coming here? And how would you describe Antonio as a player and also as a person? He's had some disturbing allegations against him.
3: Uh, You had a lot of questions in there. Which would you like me to answer? All of them?
1: (laughs) If if, if you answer one, if you answer one, I guess, how would you describe him as the player and the person?
3: Well, he's a tremendous football player. And, um, you know, I played with him for a brief period of time. So, looking forward to working with him again. And, um, you know, see what role he can come in. And, and, uh, you know, he's a very hard-working guy. So, um, again, we're all going to go out there on the practice field and do the best we could do. And we're going to see, you know, how it all fits together. So, it's a lot of hard work ahead. You know, it doesn't, none of it just magically happens, I think, We realized that early in the season, you know, you put a lot of new people together. We've got to figure a lot of things out in a short period of time. We're fighting against a lot of continuity from a lot of other teams, a lot of other coaches. I mean, Bruce has had tremendous patience with me, um, you know, watching me grow in the offense. And, uh, you know, I totally appreciate that and respect that. And I feel like I'm getting to a more comfortable place. Um, But, you know, he's been a great mentor for me in the short period of time I have. Byron and I are growing in our communication. And um, that's what it takes. That's what it takes for a good football team is to continue to work at it every day and, um, you know, try to be better every week. And that's where we're going to try
4: to be.
0: There you go. He totally turned that question into an answer that had nothing to do with Antonio Brown whatsoever.
4: Absolutely. And and, and he did what he normally does. Just put the focus on the entire team instead of one individual player. It's <laughs> Been his MO his whole career.
0: I mean, that's Tom. That's, that, if that's not a politician, then I don't know what it is that's a hundred percent what you're supposed to do. Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I played with him for a short period of time. We're going to bring him in. We're going to see how he does. And then we're going to, you know, we're having, we got to build our identity. You know, it's taken me some time to grow. Coach Bruce has, you know, shown his patience. <laughs> it's just brilliant. How he just totally moved off the entire fact that, oh yeah, Antonio Brown is accused of a lot of very, very naughty things.
4: Mm-hmm. It's called controlling the narrative. Mm. hmm Mm. hmm
0: well, we'll see how long that goes because that and his, his that was not the only Antonio Brown press co- uh, question he got during that press conference. He got a lot of them, and now Antonio Brown has officially signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as of the recording of this podcast. So uh, we're gonna have to see uh, his suspension ends at the end of week, week eight, eight. Yep. Uh, and we'll see what. What happens from there? He, he still has a civil suit, which apparently is scheduled to go to court in December. Um, so maybe you have Antonio Brown for the regular season. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it works. Quite honestly, I thought the whole point of being suspended was to keep him off of teams, you know, until this sort of thing was gone, you know, protect the shield and all that.
4: Yeah. Considering this year and, pretty much no revenue coming in from fans virtually. I mean, despite the fact that 20 plus venues have allowed 10 to 15% capacity. Yeah.
0: It's not like they yeah. need him. They, they're they doing well with their five and two. They're actually right where I thought they'd be at this point in the season. They'd have a yeah, couple but, of early struggles trying to get mm-hmm. the, get, you know, meshing together. And now they are. And now, their, their wide receivers are starting to get healthy again.
4: Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, remember, the receiving core went in pretty banged up, all three of them, Miller, Godwin, and uh, and Evans, all went to that game banged up. And one of them took some pretty solid shots throughout the course of that game. Um, so, I mean, they've got a bye on the horizon. Brown just coming in just allows another body they can just throw out there in place of one of them so they don't take as many hits.
0: Uh, Scotty Miller didn't look banged up on that 50-yard bomb.
4: No, he didn't. Hmm.
0: Uh, All right. The trade deadline coming up next week. We talked a little bit about this on our preview podcast last week. Uh, There's a lot of talk about it that because of the COVID protocols, Really, the trade deadline is Wednesday or Thursday this week because it's going to take a week for the person to clear through protocols to get them on the team. Although I don't understand why you accelerate the timetable in that manner. So if you trade for the person at the end of next week, you still have a week, whatever. And it, to me, it's like, OK, it's just how soon do you want that new player on your team? That's the way I I'm think
4: thinking. it also matters as far as when your buy is if let's put it this way, I'm not expecting teams that have already had their buy to be too active in the trade process. Hmm.
0: Um, so the trade deadline coming up, Houston is one of those teams that's talked about as being a seller. And there's a guy whom I'm pretty sure was instrumental in getting rid of uh, his head coach in Bill O'Brien <laughs> being JJ Watt. And, kind of sounds like JJ Watt doesn't want JJ Watt wants to get rid of his organization this is this is I think the entire JJ Watt press conference if I'm not mistaken I might have edited it down a little bit but it's only a minute and a half uh, and he might be trying okay. out for the Patriots press conference Hall of Fame
3: JJ we've kind of asked these questions several times this year but now you're going into the bye week at one and six what are your feelings about this team going forward? One, two, to get better. JJ, as a leader, as a veteran on the team, what do you tell your
0: teammates the way the state of the season, state of the team right now, as far as uh, holding it together, keeping it together?
3: Show up to work and do your job.
1: Hey JJ, how would you assess your level of confidence in this defense and in this team right
3: now, considering where everything is? I mean, we're one and six. You are what your record says you are.
1: I was. I understand that you don't coach or play DB, but could you speak to how the, the injury to Bradley Roby just kind of threw things off for you guys in terms of whatever your game plan was today?
3: No, I know nothing about that.
0: Can you talk about the way Rodgers played today and, and compare it to the ways you'd seen him play earlier and when you guys played against him?
3: He played very well today.
4: What did he do that, that made him play well?
3: threw the ball to the receivers, and they caught it. J.J., uh, how would you
0: characterize your emotions at this point? Just kind of, I would say it's frustrating. It's tough. You're not accustomed to losing around here, and you've won a lot of football games over the years. What's
3: this like for you personally? Yeah, frustrated. I'm angry. I mean, sucks. I don't know. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Thanks, J.J. hmm
0: Doesn't even say thank you at the end.
1: Just, mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> yes, that's a guy who's you know pretty much fed up with this season and wants out, and I I don't blame him, but he's pretty much a much a face of that franchise as Deshaun Watson is. I don't think the organization is going to let him go.
0: I um yeah, I don't think so either. I just don't. I mean, I don't know. Look, there's, it's there's it's, no one thing to be, it's,
4: it's one thing and to be it's one thing to be frustrated.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to be frustrated it's another thing to like be a leader like that's not being a leader you, you show up to the press conference and you give one word answers and you give stupid response what made him play good he threw the ball and his receivers caught
4: it well he did aaron Rodgers did throw the ball well and his receivers did catch it i i, I don't see a problem with that response it was the truth mm, mm.
0: i i see a little bit of a problem with that response but i mean uh, it was a stupid question First of all, it's a stupid question. And as the reporters, you have to have some sense of the room and see that the player is clearly frustrated, doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to talk. So you've got to ask him a question that will get him to open up a little bit. Be like, you know, JJ, what are some of the things that your team can do? And if he says we got to do our job, got to show up. If he's giving you those one word phrases, then. Ask him another question to try and get him to open up. And if he's still not, then let him go. Like, why are you making the dude sit up there? And like I said, that was only a minute and a half. I don't remember if I cut that or not. I'm pretty sure I cut out some of the spaces I counted. You you heard me counting there at the beginning. The the space in the question and the answer. (laughs) There were a lot of those long pauses (laughs) during this press conference.
4: Um, At at the end of the day, though, the Texans are pretty much – at worst, we consider them an eight and eighteen with the possibility of going ten and six. Unfortunately, the schedule they drew this year was not kind to them. We understand the first three weeks was Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers. They never had a chance in any of those three games. Honestly, I mean the Steelers game was a, a touchdown. Probably they played better defense, or the offense had executed better, maybe. The Vikings game was disgusting. There's no reason they should have lost that. And then the last two weeks, you had the Titans and the Packers. I mean, there's really no soft part of their schedule. They, They got Jacksonville next week, the Browns after that, then the Patriots. I mean, if Stidham is starting for the Patriots at that point, I may lock in the Texans. The Lions, they still haven't played the Colts yet. And they have a game against the Bengals later on this year. So, I mean... My worst case scenario of them being eight and eight looks more like six and 10.
0: It's not looking good for the Houston Texans, but you know, uh, I feel like their seasons usually go like this and then they, they salvage it at the end and they end up winning their
4: division. It's probably not going to happen this year, but no, but Pod, even if they usually quote go like this, they're hovering around 500. They're like after seven games, they're four and three or three and four. They're not one in six.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, I mean, their defense took a lot of hits, and oh, yeah, you traded away your best player for peanuts. Hey,
4: and so a funny. running back.
0: <laughs> no, no, just peanuts. <laughs> There's no running back in that trade. Uh, all right, we got the last soundbite here. Um, Andy Dalton took a vicious hit. Uh, from John Bostick and people wanted to make a little something more out of the soundbite than I think was actually there. Um, you know, crazy Jared in particular really pointed this one out to me, but this is Mike McCarthy talking about uh, the John Bostick hit. And actually I'm going to play a number of questions afterwards. Cause he kind of gets into Bill Belichick mode. And I don't think he's part of the, Belichick Parcells tree. I don't think he came from that direction. He came. Who's nah. the wall? The walrus. Who was, um, why can't I remember his name? Green Bay. What, Charlie Seattle. Weiss. No, 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 no. Green Bay and uh, Seattle head coach. Oh, homegrown. Michael. Thank home. you. Michael. I think he comes from that tree. Um, but in any case, here's Mike McCarthy talking about the John Bostick hit. Uh, after the play, it, it seemed like it, it was a totally dirty hit, and, and none of your players reacted in an
3: angry fashion to take up for Andy. It, it, I mean, I know no one on violence, but, but shouldn't someone have gotten Boston face?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, a, uh, you know, I mean, a hit that uh, caused a disqualification. But, yeah, well, I mean, we, we – we, we speak all the time about playing for one another, you know, protecting one another. Um, so it definitely was, it was probably not the response that you would expect. When
3: you, when you say not the proper response, is that something you addressed?
4: I've, I've, I've answered the question. Can we go on to the next question, please? Did you think the hit was dirty? The player was disqualified from the game, so I think it was clearly, I think we all understand clearly where the hit is categorized.
0: So. A lot of people took that as saying, like, Mike McCarthy was upset that his team didn't get up and basically, you know, beat the crap out of John Bostick for the hit that he made on Darnold. I honestly see it a different way. And I see the hit being different too. Yes, as a veteran player, you got to know that you got to pull up, especially when it's a quarterback uh, making a run. And then when the quarterback gets into his slide, I don't think John Bostick was headhunting. On that play, I just think he he foolishly left his left his feet late to make a tackle, and you know what happened happened. But I, th- that's the way I saw the play, and, and maybe I'm just being naive about it. But I, I didn't see it as being a dirty play.
4: Uh, dirty is you know in the eye of the beholder. In this case, I definitely see him trying to lower the boom on a quarterback, albeit. Call it a half step, step too late. Dalton's clearly already sliding when he began you know, began his movement to try to, you know, take that hit on him. He, I, I'm not really paying attention to it till he comes into the frame and, and hits Dalton. To McCarthy's point, yeah, there is a little something there because look, I don't care who the quarterback is, starter, backup, third string, guy off the street. I've seen offensive linemen to a T for most clubs. Your quarterback takes a shot like that. One of them is running to the frame, and at the very least, you're grabbing the guy who hit him by the jersey, and you're pushing him away from the quarterback. Like, I'm escorting you over here to get away from my player, and I'm going to have some choice words for you while I'm doing it. And while there may not be any punches thrown, yeah, it's going to cause a if you will. Players would gather around to be some pushing and shoving the referees. I have to break it up. No punches thrown. Everyone goes on separate ways. We shake hands at the end of the game. None of that happened here. You know, the first two linemen into the frame pretty much looked down at Dalton to see, okay, this guy is not going to finish the game, and what do we do now? It's It was very lackluster ho-hum. Look, so, someone said last week uh, on a show I was watching that the Cowboys have basically quit on the season. <laughs> and I, I can't call it anything else right now. Uh, Washington was nothing to write home about, but we've already mentioned that. Worst defense in the history of the league at this point. No offensive line because everyone of note is either retired or injured. And Ezekiel Elliott is a shell of himself this season. So, Yeah, what's wrong
0: with Zeke? That's really the biggest question that I have.
4: Well, look, you, you know we we give a lot of glory and props to running backs, uh, especially over the last decade or so for having phenomenal seasons, and very seldom do we tout their offensive lines. You, you got to look at mm. these units as being just as integral as any skill position player on the offense, uh, and, and if you don't have a solid O line, you're you're not doing anything. Just remember, like years ago, we were lambasting Jerry Jones for constantly drafting the 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 nice hot Ferrari draft pick in every single draft instead of fixing the offensive line to protect your quarterback and get a rushing game going. They finally do that in DeMarco Murray's last season when they get a solid offensive line and he decides to bolt in free agency because they feel like with this offensive line, they can put anybody back there. And to a certain extent, they were right. DeMarco Murray didn't really have the success he did over the next two seasons in that last year in Dallas. But unfortunately the next guy they plugged in didn't have anywhere near the success Murray had behind the same offensive line. Enter Ezekiel Elliott, who pretty much, you know, had a, I believe he was rookie of the year, if not offensive rookie of the year, but some case, uh, maybe a case would be MVP, his rookie season, phenomenal second season, despite uh, missing a handful of games. Bounced back last year, had a great season. And this year it's, all going to crap I mean the two starting tackles on injured reserve for the season the center retires before the season starts your guards is like a revolving door of who's who so I mean who who's there to actually pave the way and protect these guys him or the quarterback I mean before he got hurt you know, Dak Prescott was running for his life most games.
0: So I don't know where, Mike, you, you'd consider Mike McCarthy in in the tree of NFL coaches, but he was first hired by head coach Marty Schottenheimer. So does he come from Marty Schottenheimer's tree? Yeah. Or, or does he come from... Holmgren's tree when he became the quarterback's coach for the Packers in 99, but he was only there for one year and then he left for the saints from 2000, 2004. So that put him under Sean Payton was Sean Payton, the head coach in
4: 2000, 2004. Uh, I'm going to go with, yeah.
0: I don't know. That might be, wait. no, 2004? no. Cause no, Belichick no, no. is the longest tendered in your head coach. Head coach. So that who, who was the Saints head coach in 2000? Boy, there are people yelling at their, especially Of meal. course they are. They're <laughs> yelling at their listening devices right now, going, how can you not know this? You silly, silly people. Jim Hazlitt? Hazlitt?
4: Yeah, yeah. All right, Jim so Hazlett I guess he's inspired. a Schottenheimer.
0: So he's Schottenheimer. All right, so he comes from the Schottenheimer uh, head coaching tree.
4: Interesting. Huh. That's what we got, though. I, I mean, case. look, that Dallas is going to be a mess, and and
0: <laughs> well, and, and based off of what came out last week about players saying that uh, they've quit on Mike McCarthy already, which is
3: it's a little early for that,
0: and now uh, we have this where. You know, to and again, to me, you mentioned it. I saw a couple of linemen go over, and they were just concerned about Andy Dalton. So they were with Andy Dalton, making sure that he was okay. Not like their doctors or anything, but at least they were with their quarterback, um, doing whatever they thought they could do for him while he laid, you know, groggy on the ground. Um, you know, and now McCarthy. Doesn't really answer the question. Sort of says that, you know, we talk about playing and protecting each other and reporter asks him if he's going to bring it up in the locker room. He doesn't answer that question. Like it feels like the reporters wanted to make something more out of it. McCarthy didn't Rivera in his own press conference mentioned how he talked to John Bostic about how he's got to know better as a veteran player. You can't be doing stuff like that. Talked about how he, you know, reached out to McCarthy and apologized immediately for it. Sort of like McCarthy didn't want to make something out of it. The press did. And maybe that's sort of a disconnect there too, right? Like your coach should be fired up about this. Why is he not getting all fired up about this? Why isn't he not getting his team rallying around this point? And, and, And it is one of those tools that a head coach has, you know, hey, the other team was out. You know, coming for us, and they're kicking our ass, and they're taking our quarterback out of the game with dirty hits. Like, it could have been something that McCarthy could use as a rallying point. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen.
4: Yeah. And one, let's start with the defense, which I've already mentioned. I, McCarthy's probably not going to get fired, but I don't think Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, makes it through the season. Mm. In any way, shape, or form. I mean, this is probably the first game they've held a team under 30 points all year, and albeit they still lost because even with Dalton in there, they couldn't generate any offense.
0: Are you saying that Jason Garrett wasn't the problem?
4: <laughs> uh well, last I checked uh the current offensive coordinator of the New York Giants still has Daniel Jones tripping around the five yard line. Um, (laughs) So I I don't see the Giants really having that much of an issue moving the ball with virtually no talent outside of Daniel Jones, but yeah. So that
0: uh, that's going to do it for the NFL sound off, not a week seven recap. Although I feel like we did a lot of recapping this week, James, we gotta we gotta watch uh, ourselves
4: on that. Not not too many.
0: Uh, we are going to have some sort of Thursday night preview for you tomorrow. Do you know if uh, your buddy there, MJ, is gonna record something for the Thursday night football preview?
4: I can get with him and you know grill him about his squad playing the Panthers this week. Um, because yeah, we don't have a Panthers fan anymore. Surprisingly. Yeah, we're without a lot of super
0: fans, quite honestly. Uh, I just updated our website, nextfanup.wordpress.com. Listen, I'm not a website designer in any sense or form, so you can go there. I've got all of Doc's recipes every week. Uh, Doc gives us a new recipe. I'll make sure that the website has it. Uh, the collective power rankings will be there after our Thursday show has gone live. Uh, oftentimes, you Probably our weekly power rankings will be later. So uh, you won't get our power rankings very, you'll probably get our power rankings at some point on the weekend of the week. So our week eight power rankings probably won't go up until like Saturday or Sunday, maybe uh, depends on when I get a free opportunity to update the website. But I spent a lot of time doing that last Friday and um, a certain queen Podme was a, a little annoyed.
4: Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you don't want to disturb the, the the you don't want to disturb the workings of the empire there.
0: No, no. But listen, there are certain things that just got to get done, and that was one of the things that I had on my list of things to do that I just kept putting off, putting off. Finally, I did it, so it's there, and now I have an idea of how to maybe do it a little quicker, especially if I do it on a weekly basis. It shouldn't take me as long as it took me last week. But I think it's the
4: force, but it doesn't seem like the force was with you.
0: No, or or perhaps, you know, one of our super fans that are a website designer, you know, that'd be great, too. You know, (laughs) just saying, Uh, of course, you know, it is a free website. That's also another downside to it. So in in any case, all of Doc's recipes are on our website. They're also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash NFU podcast. If you prefer using that to get one of Doc's recipes, Uh, we have Twitter at NFU podcast next fan up at gmail.com. It's a great way to get in touch with us. Talk to us. We will be back again, as I mentioned for a Thursday night preview tomorrow, the Panthers and the Falcons, uh, squaring off on Thursday, Thursday night games have really sucked this year. It's almost as if the NFL purposely gave the Thursday night games, the crappy matchups. They usually do that on Monday nights. The Monday night matchups have actually been pretty good this season. Surprisingly,
4: but hey, remember, the idea of the Thursday night games is to get every team in prime time at least once.
0: Mm. And then we'll be back again on Thursday with the full Week 8 preview. We're already at Week 8. Can you believe it? I can't believe
4: we're already <sighs> at Week 8. It's crazy. November's around the corner.
0: <sighs> can't get here soon enough. <laughs> Especially November 3rd. Hey, vote. That's all I'm going to say. Just go out and vote. That's all I want you to do. I don't care which way you vote. Just vote. Make your voice. Absolutely vote. And we will be back again uh, tomorrow with the Thursday Night Football Preview. Until then, here's Kofi Kofi Kingston. That's a wrestler. (laughs) Kofi Annan, who, rest in peace, is no longer with us. Is that the end of our show? There you have it.
4: Dear friends and colleagues, saying goodbye is never easy. I believe we can all feel proud of what we have done together. And through it all, you have maintained your professionalism and commitment and remained true to the spirit of the Charter. That principle, we go out, we hit people in the mouth.